The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali. On the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee, of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When my son was in the seventh grade, uh, he had a teacher that he didn't get along with very well. So at dinner, we would often have conversation about this teacher. I'm just going to call her Ms. X for the moment. This went on and we had some visits with Ms. X and the conversation continued and if we would ask, well, how was school today? And Archer would tell us a little bit about it. So we kept going back and forth and on into the school year. He played soccer. So I was out one day at his practice and other soccer moms and dads were there. And one of them came over to me and said, isn't it a terrible thing about what happened with Mrs. X? And I said, what terrible thing that happened with Mrs. X? I didn't know anything. Isn't she still there teaching school? Oh, no, 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 no. She hadn't been there for weeks. What do you mean she hadn't been there for weeks? We talk about her every night, practically. <laughs> no, she got fired. And then we found out from, I found out from the soccer mom that had been going on. So when I got home, I said, son, help me here. Why didn't you tell me Mrs. X wasn't in with you anymore? That she's not your teacher. 
We're still talking about her. My son, without a moment's hesitation, looks at his mother and father and says, You didn't ask. (laughs) Funny thing, I didn't know to ask. That thought and that situation came up in my mind as I've been working with Matthew this week. I feel like my son is back at the dinner table telling me absolutely nothing that I want to know. I mean, don't you all want to know some things in this lesson that we just heard? I mean, wouldn't you like to know, why did he leave? Well, we heard that John was arrested, but we don't know why he left. Why did he go where he went? We don't know that either. Did he go there because things were getting too heated in Jerusalem and he needed to get further out so that because it was not yet his time and if he'd stayed where he was, he possibly could have been arrested fairly early himself? So he moved away from where he had been? We don't know. We don't know any of that. We don't know, did he know Simon and Peter and James and John before he called them? Did they know Jesus? We don't know any of that. Did my son take lessons from Matthew? Is that how he figured out how you don't tell what you don't want to be told? The truth of the matter is, though, Matthew told us exactly what he wanted us to hear, what he wanted the early church to hear. He was not interested in giving us the backstory. He was interested only in showing us what Jesus was about. And what Jesus was about was trying to do what God asked him to do whether he had word from God in his heart that it was time to move, that it was not his time. I mean, people knew that he and John had some kind of a relationship. So it may well have been that he moved away from Jerusalem. Or did he do it because he wanted for people in the Jewish faith and the Jewish leaders to understand that what Isaiah had prophesied, he was fulfilling. And so he goes to this region. Now the region where he goes is sometimes described in pretty negative terms. There's backwater town, not anything much going on there. Why would anybody want to go up to Capernaum? This was not, didn't have the, all the power that Jerusalem had. This wasn't where the special people lived. No, it wasn't. These were ordinary folk, working people, fishermen and their families. But that's where he went. And as he, after he does this, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. And this isn't the kind of repent necessarily that John the baptizer was talking about. Not the sort of, come let me wash you of your sins and you will be clean. The commentaries that I've read suggest that this word is used is a turn. Repent, turn. Change your course. Go in an opposite direction. And one of the things I think it's really hard for us to understand 
And it was hard for apparently for the people in Jesus's time to understand was the concept of this kingdom of earth, our kingdom of heaven. Because what he's talking about is, as best we can understand, is he's saying something new is coming to you now. This isn't a after your dad kingdom of God talking about. This is I'm going to show you a new way to be on earth. I'm going to show you what God has shown me. I'm going to show you what it means to care about people in a different way. I'm going to show you what it means not to be thinking that God is all the time got his thumb down on you, trying to hurt you and give you a hard time. I want to show you what compassion looks like. That's what God sent me on this earth to do, to walk the walk and talk the talk. And so he's saying to these people around him, it's now, it's a now thing. Well, you and I have lived over 2,000 years since now, the now. Where do we see the kingdom? Where do we see the kingdom? Well, apparently it hasn't completely gotten here. But there are times, there are times when the Holy Spirit and the power of God come and interrupt our life here. Come and interrupt ordinary things and turn them into profound moments. Many years ago now, in my first parish as a rector, there was a man there whose father was bedridden. But he was a very devoted Christian man. And his father was, we would say now, in transition. He was near death. And Buddy called us and said, could some of you come over and be with us tonight? So we drove out in the country, and we were there with his dad. And his dad was, as I best remember, somewhat conscious, but not, you know, it was kind of in and out. But some of us began to gather around his bed. And throughout the night until the early hours of the morning, We sang songs. We didn't have any hymn books. So we sang songs, verse 1 and verse 2, or whatever we could remember. We sang some songs where there was a good verse or a chorus line, and we would keep singing them. That was one of the most profoundly changing moments of our lives. Because the Spirit was so much in that room. As we joined around, now mind you, we did not know this man except his buddy's father. He went to a different church. But for whatever reason, his church wasn't there that night. It was the Episcopal church that would gathered around. We sang and we sang. And the only thing that I can tell you is this. When he passed from this life to the next, there was not a moment in that journey 
that was not met with song and love and prayer. Because I believe that when he was on the other side, it was the voice of the holy angels that he heard. None of us had ever done anything like that before. I was a young priest still. This was all new to me. But that was an incredible moment when the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God were in one space for a holy and divine moment. It was one of those moments when the veil became thin and we who were on one side all but touched what was on the other side. These kinds of moments, these are when we can know that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in. The kingdom of heaven is not just something later. It can be something now, right now. I don't have this story down as the way I'd like to, but I'm going to share what I can of it. I was listening to NPR one day this week, and I tried mightily to get the transcript of this part of the interview, but I couldn't get it. The story goes that Brian Stevens, someone who you hear about now with the, with the book and the movie, Just Mercy, that is not Brian, but it could be. <laughs> he, um, he tells a story about a woman, a person, an African-American woman, who was going on a pilgrimage out from her town to one of the sites where there had been lynchings. And we are doing this in our diocese. We've had several of these pilgrimage already to various sites around Georgia. And this particular woman was nervous because she was going by herself, but she wanted to go. She wanted to go to the site where it was rumored that her grandfather had been lynched or even proven. And she was going to dig up soil from the lynching site to take home. Out in the country, she gets out of her car, she heads to the site, and this white man sees her, who's in a truck. And he sees this woman, and he says, well, anyway, he doesn't know. So he gets out of his truck, and he walks over, and, and, and the woman gets pretty nervous and doesn't know what's going to happen. They have a conversation. And he gets a little gruff with her beginning. Why are you on this property? What are you doing here? What's this about? But as their conversation back and forth goes on, he sort of simmers down a little bit. And he says, tell me what you're doing. So she tells him what she's doing and why this, this dirt is so important to her, where her grandfather's blood was shed, what it matters to her. So she's digging, and he says to her, can I help you? 
Can I help you dig? And then in a little bit longer as it goes on, he said, well, would it be all right if I dug some for myself to take home so that I can remember this moment, so that I can remember what we did? And before these two departed with their two containers of lynching soil, they embraced, told each other their names, and wished each other a good day. Brian Stevenson goes on to point out, this doesn't happen every time an encounter like this but this is one that he knows about. That's when the kingdom of heaven breaks in. That's what James and John and Andrew and Peter were going to witness. Because when Jesus called them, who knows why they answered? Who knows why they turned and went. But thank God they did. Can you imagine what we would have missed if Peter had said no? All that we learn about God and God's relationship through Christ with Peter would have been lost to us. All of his ups and downs and rounds and about, all of his imperfection, all of his wonder, all of his leadership, watching him become Peter, the rock, would have been lost to us. We might have well thought that all of Jesus' disciples had to be perfect. None of them were perfect. None of them were perfect. They were like us. They were like us. Good parts, bad parts, mediocre parts, and great parts. But they turned, they turned, and there would be for them, however long they lived, there would be moments that they would see because of Jesus when the kingdom of earth was made real. What we're asked to do is not really so grandiose. It's really we're asked to do this. We're asked to be the people that help make moments when the kingdom of heaven are experienced in our homes, in our church, in our community, at a funeral or a birth, at a bedside sick bed. Moments when you're and my love and caring break through it all and suddenly we know we're standing in the holy moments when we carry our light and we break open the darkness and the darkness will never be quite the same again. I want to share with you as I conclude a 
story about Mother Teresa. It's one I hadn't heard before. Some of you may have. Mother Teresa was once in Melbourne, Australia, where she visited a poor man whom nobody knew existed. The room in which he was living was in a terrible state of untidiness and neglect. There was no light in the room. The man had hardly ever opened the blinds. He hadn't had a friend in the world for some time. He started, she started to clean and tidy the room. At first the man protested, saying, leave it alone, it's all right as it is. But she went ahead anyway. Then under a pile of rubbish, she found a beautiful oil lamp, almost completely covered with dirt. She cleaned and polished it. Then she asked him, why don't you ever light the lamp? Why should I light it, he replied. No one ever comes to see me. I never see anybody. Mother Teresa said, will you promise to light it if one of my sisters comes to see you? Yes, he replied. If I hear a human voice, I'll light the lamp. And so two of Mother Teresa's nuns began to visit him on a regular basis. Things gradually improved for him. Then one day he said to, he said to the nuns, Sisters, I'll be able to manage on my own from now on. But do me a favor. Tell that first sister who came to see me that the light she lit in my life is still burning. That's what Jesus is asking us to do today. Will you bear the light? Will you be for somebody a voice in the darkness? Will you help in such a way, whether you see it or not, that the kingdom of heaven breaks through and we're all changed by it? Now, I did this at 8 o'clock. And you know the 8 o'clock people. Just want you to know, I'm still here. There were no tomatoes or rocks. We're going to try something here. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Can you put your finger up? Shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. Thank you.